Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. 
Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert in the great state of Arizona, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable, that's rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find the show on pretty much any radio or podcast player, from Apple to Google, and a bunch of other small ones. The links are on our website, or you can simply search The Secret Teachings on those platforms, and you can listen to the show for free. The show is monetized, though, so if you'd like to get rid of those monetized ads, you can go to our website again and subscribe to our full show archive. You'll be able to download and listen to the show. You'll get access to our montage archive, my digital books, and yearly subscribers get a physical copy of one of my books. Free shipping in the United States. Just check it out at www.thesecretteachings.info. You also will get access to the show when it is pre-recorded before it airs Monday through Friday. We also have t-shirts, our Pro One Water Filter affiliate program on our website, and if you search The Secret Teachings on Patreon, you'll find our behind-the-scenes content and more. Well, I hope everybody had a good weekend. I think my weekend was good. I went to uh, went to the mountain yesterday on Sunday on Easter, and a lot of people were actually on the mountain having a little Easter dinner uh, or Easter lunch. And I know that uh, Easter to me kind of feels like a, I kind of feels like a stale holiday culturally. You know, a lot of people celebrate it, but it doesn't have uh, the same fixings as Christmas does or as Thanksgiving does. Uh, obviously, people celebrate, or they maybe they they celebrate uh, Passover. Uh, Passover started uh, this last week; it ends on the twenty third, and uh, we have uh, you know the traditional Easter celebration. A lot of people maybe don't consider themselves. Christian or whatever, so they still, you know, partake of the tradition from when they were, you know, children or when they, when they were young adults and growing up. And you know, you have the maybe not Easter baskets, but you at least have a dinner. And uh, you know, I so I had a good weekend. I hope everybody had a good weekend with uh, their Easter, with uh, part of their Passover celebration. And uh, I was wondering, you know, how many people also saw the New York Times essay on God. This was something that was all over social media all weekend. And uh, I didn't even touch my phone or go onto social media Sunday, but I saw it Saturday and uh, I saw it again this morning, uh, Monday, April 18th is today's date into the 19th, 2022. It was an essay written by Shalom Oslander. And it said, in this time of war, I propose we give up God. We give up God. And he goes on in the opinion essay to say that he's behind killing God. He said, killing God is an idea I can get behind. Killing God. Getting rid of God. No more God. God is bad. God is evil. And uh, that struck a lot of people because whether you're Christian or not, the idea of killing God, I think, has this subconscious resonance to it, just that statement, killing God, getting rid of God. 
And I think it implies that to get rid of God, there has to be something to replace God. There has to be something to replace this higher authority and this higher power. And we can look to different places. Where, where could we find a replacement for God? Well, we could find a replacement for God in AI. You know, technocrats, transhumanists, etc., they propose that God created an imperfect world. And if God created an imperfect world, that means, well, he's imperfect. So as a result of that, they believe, again, technocrats and transhumanists, they believe that they can create a better world and they can create essentially a perfect world, a utopia, where they usurp God and they become God. And I've always had a philosophical issue with that ideology, with that viewpoint, because if you as a human are created imperfectly by an imperfect God, then what that means is you somehow have the ability, although the source of the creation was therefore imperfect, you have some kind of creative power to create a perfect world out of imperfection. That means that you are the true God. And I think that's the underlying idea that's being pushed, is that if, if God is perfect and he creates an imperfect creation, Rather than wondering why would a perfect God create an imperfect creation, you know, these are words that that we defined, I think, uh, we defined based on, you know, materialism and how we feel, what is perfect, what is imperfect, what is happiness, what is sadness, etc. And when we define these words and, and we think of these these kind of complex subjects, God can be perfect and create an imperfect world, but only by our definition of imperfection. If God created a perfect world, there would essentially be no point to life. There would be no suffering. There would be no happiness. There would be no hatred. There would be no love. There would be no reconnecting with source. We would still be one with source if it was perfection, if it was utopia. So a perfect God has to create, by some definition, by some standard, an imperfect world, quote-unquote, in order for those imperfect beings to learn and to grow and to reconnect with source which is the whole point of magic. It's the whole point of the mystery schools. It's the whole point of pretty much every sacred mystical tradition throughout human history. Going back tens of thousands of years, even before we had religion, to cave paintings on, on, on you know, the walls of caves in, in places like Africa and, and, and southern France and parts of different parts of Europe, you know, old shamanistic practices communing with spirits, again, long before we had religion as we know it today, there was a connection to a spiritual realm, to a spiritual uh, domain. So God can create as a perfect being an imperfect world by whatever definition, only imperfect in the sense that we have to grow, we have to learn, and we have to proceed on the ladder to climb back and you know reconnect, climb back up that ladder and reconnect with God. That's the tree of life. That's the Kabbalah. That's the Jewish mysticism. Which is, is funny because the guy that wrote this article is also Jewish. And that really wasn't a big surprise to me because for some reason there are some Jewish people who really hate God. There are some Jewish people that really hate religion. And there are some Jewish people that for some reason, I'm not sure, I can't place my finger on it, are supporters of some of the most depraved, disgusting, anti-human ideology that mankind has ever created that mankind has ever developed. From communism and Marxism 
to the usage of people with a different sexual identity to push hardcore pornography, promiscuity, etc. on children. I mean, the LGBTQ capital of the world is Tel Aviv, Israel. The homosexual capital of the Middle East is Tel Aviv, Israel. And the biggest supporters of the Democratic Party that pushes LGBTQIA ideology, the biggest supporter, according to the Israeli press, are the Jewish community members. They contribute to 50% of all campaign contributions to the Democratic Party. I mean, that's why you get movies like uh, Eight Crazy Nights. That's why you get these movies where you have Jewish actors and writers and directors that bash Christianity and they bash Gentiles. And if you question, or even if you make a joke about Jewish people, that's considered anti-Semitic, but Jewish authors and Jewish writers, Jewish comedians, Jewish people can make fun of Gentiles and Christians all they want. I mean, can, can you imagine if you had a TV show where you just made fun of Jews? Have you ever watched Curb Your Enthusiasm? I mean, I liked that show, but they, they, I mean, Larry David, they just basically make fun of Gentiles. Can you imagine if you had a show where you just made fun of Jews? Completely unacceptable. But on the weekend of Passover, the Pesach, and Easter, Jewish novelists, this guy is a novelist, he's a fiction writer, Shalom Oslander, can write an article that gets published in the New York Times as an essay, although if you look close enough, it's an opinion piece, obviously, that we should give up God. And the reason we should give up God is because God implies war. God is the responsible party. He is the source of war and conflict. And if you want proof of that, if you want evidence of that, you only have to go to the Old Testament. Now, for those of you who have read the Bible, you'll know that the Old Testament God was kind of a prick. You know, God was all about judgment, all about law, all about order. But a very strict, very aggressive, very violent father figure. But if you shift to the New Testament, God kind of changes his tune a little bit and he becomes about love, grace, forgiveness. Now, I don't know if that's the duality in the mysticism of the Bible. You have these dual components to this divine force. And if that is the case, if it's meant to be dualistic, that would make a lot of sense esoterically. That would make a lot of sense historically. That would make a lot of sense in regard to archetypes and you know human history and just existence. The breath of life, night and day, that would make a lot of sense. But obviously the Bible has been tampered with in many ways. It doesn't mean what's in the Bible can't be true. It doesn't mean that the metaphors and the parables and the, and the stories can't provide us with a, a moral guidance, a moral compass. They absolutely can. But I say that from the point of view of I'm not even a Christian. For some reason, a lot of people think this is a Christian show. This is not a Christian show. It's definitely not a conservative show. And I, I don't know about you, but this whole, this whole week, you know, leading up to Easter, it might just be me, but I've had like three or four people on Facebook. I don't even know who these people are, and I don't have any other social media, so maybe it's on other social media platforms too. Three or four people I don't know, I share no friends with, suddenly they start popping up on my timeline. Again, never seen these people, never talked to these people. I don't randomly click accept friend requests, and I just get all these all these comments on Facebook about how 
how bad God is. And I get comments about how, how we, should, we should believe in the snake venom that we talked about last week. And I just, like, they're, they're just those, it's the text with the picture background. And it's just encouraging people, believe in the snake venom, believe in the snake venom. God is bad. I hate Christianity. And I, I even asked this one guy who's probably a bot. I said, are, are you like, do you just hate human beings? And the response was, yes, I do hate human beings. And I'm thinking, okay, this is either a really, really sad individual or this is a bot and this is an algorithm that is putting this into my feed. And, and all of that was kind of confusing to me until we got to dumping day Friday and we hear that in the New York Times, you know, we should kill God. Now, this is one guy and this is one newspaper but of course, it got a lot of attention from Christians. It got a lot of attention from Christian websites. It got a lot of attention, I'm sure, around the Easter lunch or dinner table that some people would suggest we should kill God because, well, God is responsible for war. Now, part of the argument made in this essay is that the Egyptians were really mean to the Jews. I find this just strange. The Egyptians were so mean to the Jews that they buried the corpses of Jewish slaves in their buildings. Now, I don't have to tell you, because I'm sure most of you know, that this is an ancient practice that from what I understand, from what I've read, I don't believe the Egyptians practiced this. We have a tremendous amount of new information today that Egypt did not use Jewish slaves to build the pyramids and that most of the so-called slaves were actually very well taken care of. They were more like workers. They were paid in oils and spices. These are not things you give to slaves. But besides that point, it's a very ancient custom, a superstition, to bury humans, particularly children or infants, in the base, in the foundation of buildings. Because it is a means they believed in the ancient world to protect against outside forces, whether those were human forces or spiritual forces, providing a human sacrifice to the spirits in order to obtain protection. So even if Jewish slaves were buried in buildings, that doesn't mean that the Jews were for some reason, for one reason or another, the most hated group of people in history. It just means that this was an ancient practice that various cultures practiced and it wouldn't surprise me if Jews also practiced this kind of thing if they actually had a place that they called home you know if they actually had a place they called home and they were they were building big cities you know maybe they you know maybe they were also burying people in 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 the in the foundation of their building i mean besides you know the whole story of egypt and the exodus is a little bit even if you get you know get the information from the bible the bible the the story of exodus it's interesting because if you read about the history of Egypt, Jewish people came to Egypt and actually enslaved some of the Egyptians. And when the Egyptians got control back of their country, they then enslaved the invader that had enslaved them. Now, that's a true historical piece of information that is so incredibly important to the context of the Exodus story and the notion that we should kill God that it's almost jaw-dropping. I mean, my jaw does drop a little bit that we just, it, it's such 
common knowledge that we don't have that information. Jewish people came to Egypt, enslaved the Egyptians, and then the Egyptians enslaved them. This is the story of human history. Conquering, enslavement, genocide. I mean, this is, this is human history. Where we don't have a lot of that is in the new modern world where we're becoming less violent, more peaceful. We're becoming wealthier, healthier, living longer. And we don't experience these things as much anymore. At least in a lot of the Western world, in a lot of the Eastern world, in a lot of the Middle Eastern world, they're still living in what amounts to, in, re- in relationship to the Western world, the Stone Age in terms of culture and ideology. I mean, India is a literal caste system. South Africa, I mean, for all intents and purposes, is essentially still an apartheid state. Israel is an apartheid state. If you're a black Jew, you're not considered on the same level socially as a white Jew. So, I mean, the, most of the world is still enslavement, apartheid, genocide, rape, murder, torture, conquest. That's pretty much the whole world today. Killing God doesn't absolve us of those problems. These problems are not a result of God existing. And in fact, in some ways, you could actually suggest that God has prevented this kind of of slaughter and murder and and torture and death and decay and destruction. I mean, nobody's going to argue that the Old Testament God wasn't, you know, a prick, wasn't violent, wasn't aggressive, wasn't kind of mean. But the New Testament God is different. The New Testament God is about love and grace. And this is completely contrast to the Old Testament God. So which God do we get rid of? Shalom Oslander, do we get rid of the Old Testament God or the New Testament God? And that's the question that I was asking. That's the question I was thinking when I when I read this this article from the New York Times put out on the the dumping day, Friday before Easter. And so that comes out, and I saw this uh, interesting you know video of Mark Dice asking people if we should ban the Bible because well the Bible has hate speech in it. The Bible, uh, you know, is has some comments about homosexuality, and the Bible has, you know, a lot of violence in it, and things that people are offended by. And you know, once again, if you ever watched a Mark Dice video, people just they just sit there and they just, yeah, sure, I'll sign it, I'll, I'll, I'll ban the Bible. Let's ban it, ban it, ban it. Let's ban it, sure, ban it, ban it, ban. It. Just lists of people. Sure, I'll ban the Bible. Why not? I'll play a little bit of that for you. People, and we're just trying to get them to stop that. Why so. would I want to ban the Bible? Well, you know, it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Uh, it's hurting a lot of people's feelings. Yeah. Just print here and yeah, print. Uh, she's going to sign it. Signature. There you go. You know, the it's, Bible hurts a lot of people's feelings. That's hurting and people's it feelings. Makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. And if we can get rid of it, you know, that'll really help with the new world order. A lot of people want to burn the existing ones, but maybe we can do that later. Thank you. Thank you. Amazon has finally stopped selling a lot of racist and anti-Semitic books by people like former KKK leader David Duke. They were selling his autobiography for years. They finally stopped selling it, but they're still selling the Bible, so we're just trying okay. to... So I'm just signing to not have the Bible be sold on Amazon? Yeah. Okay, that sounds like a good thing for humanity. 
You know, if somebody already purchased one, you know, I mean, at least at this point, we're not going to confiscate them, maybe well, in the yeah. future, but we just don't want anybody else to be purchasing new right. copies. It's astounding how many people actually sign, actually sign this petition to ban the Bible. It just goes on and on. Same page. Yeah. Well, the Bible has a lot of homophobia in there, and uh, you know, it, it says that the Jews conspired to have Jesus killed. It's an anti-Semitic trope. So we're just trying to get the Bible banned to help stop the hate speech. And we're going to keep the Quran, though. On board with us there. You know, I mean, for the people who have already bought one. I mean, at least at this point, we're not going to be confiscating them. Maybe in the future, but we're just trying to get the new purchases stopped and just ban it from all the stores. So I, I, I hope that everybody has, you know, a balanced, objective approach to this idea. Let's get rid of the Bible because it offends some people. Well, if it offends some people, and that's the sole reason we should get rid of the Bible, offensive because there's violence, offensive because there's anti-homosexual aspects or anti-Jewish aspects, well, then I'm offended that you're offended. It's a stalemate. We keep the Bible. Same thing with, with any other book. Why would you ban a book? Because you don't want the information in it, regardless of how violent or anti-homosexual or anti-Semitic it is. You don't want that information that is, uh, let's say, contrary to that, the love and the compassion and the, and, 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 and the, the morality. You don't want that information to be available to the public. That's why you ban books. You don't want people to have access to other points of view. And I think some would argue that when you ban something that's considered racist or sexist or genderist or violent, you ban those things because although you have all these you have all these books that that talk about like whether it's 1984 or a brave new world or to kill a mockingbird, oh we got to ban it because it uses the n-word. But yes, the book has a different point. It's not about using the n-word because there's, you know, there's this hatred of black people and we need to encourage the hatred of black people and, and the degrading of black people. There, there's lessons to be taught. You, you, it, this is the thing that people just don't understand, that there's lessons to be taught. You don't ban history because it's offensive. Banning history because it's offensive paves the way to repeat that history because you have nothing to learn from. I mean, that's just like every year, it's like if you could go into your brain and just delete the history of everything you learned in the last year because something was a bad experience. Just get rid of it. But what about all the good experiences? What about all the good things you learn that makes life easier now because you learned something? This is just... I want to talk about this tonight because it's really bothersome that people want to ban the Bible, get rid of God. And I want to do it from a non-Christian point of view tonight on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. And there's more after this. Stay with us. You are hearing the sound between that which is above and that which is below. It's KTLK, Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Search the name and start listening today for free. But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is John Peasy at JohnPeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teaching. This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. Back in 2018, a lot of you might remember that Apple deleted Christian and Jewish holidays from their iCal app, the iCalendar. And at first it was you know, unclear if it was a glitch or if it was done intentionally. You know, some people said it was a glitch, some people said it was done intentionally. Apple kind of, you know, said it was one and then it said it was the other and it just there's this whole idea that there's an attack on Christianity and then there's an attack on Judaism, attack on religion and you know I'm I'm not of a Christian or a Jewish or a Muslim or any other camp but I do see that there is an attack, there is an assault on the essence, on the core, on the foundation of what we call broadly religion. That doesn't mean, again, let me be very clear, I am not a Christian, a Jew, I'm not an atheist, I'm by no definition religious, but by every definition, I'm religious. My point is, there is an attack on religion, but the attack isn't necessarily on the aspects that a lot of individual religious adherents hold faith in. What I mean by that to be really specific, 
is the essence of religion is turning yourself over to a higher power, believing that there is an energy or a force that is functioning, that is operating, that is making intelligent the universe and nature, attempting to align yourself with it, and and using this knowledge, this wisdom, this information as a form of empowerment for the individual and as a way in which to create a better world for all people. That's how I interpret religion. So when somebody says we should kill God, as this New York Times essay opinion piece on Friday said right before Easter, or someone says that God is not so perfect because he created an imperfect world, suggesting that man as imperfect, can therefore create a perfect world and usurp the authority of God. And when people make these claims that there isn't an attack on religion, this is a right-wing Christian point of view that there's an attack on Christmas, an attack on Christian holidays. I mean, there is. I just don't think it's what Christian think what Christians think it is. I don't think it's you know what a lot of religious-minded people think it is. Like it, there is an attack. It's just not necessarily on the aspects of your religion that you think. I I, I think in order to maybe better explain what I'm thinking is to define, in my view, and in an esoteric, occult sense, what God is. Before we do that, we have to really understand what theology is, what what exactly is divinity, what what, what is all of this stuff, what are these, these ideas of original sin and God's plan and you know a powerful you know a hierarchy a powerful hierarchy of angels and 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 demons and you know all these things that we hear about in various different religions different practices and 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 uh, you know different traditions and, and within cultures that you know you 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 eat a certain way or you you know you dress a certain way I mean whether or not we consider these things to be superstitious and part of some old world we should forget we should never forget that at the core of all of this is the essence, the, the divinity of a higher power, a higher authority that animates the material world. That there is an animation to the world. Your body is gross matter, and yet it is animated by spirit or soul. That is proof there is God. It just might not be the God that you're thinking of. The whole idea of God and theology sprouted because of the realization of man's immortality. We are going to die. We are going to pass away. And especially at a time when people died very young, there was no medical care, food was very either scarce or, you know, wasn't something that, you know, like you eat today, food was, was, you know, especially if you're eating meat, it was rotted, you know, there wasn't preservation of things like this, you know, you had to forage for your food, yet it wasn't like today, so you didn't have medical care, you didn't have the same kind of food, you had to hunt, you had to forage you know, and then just basically lacking uh, necessary information to understand things in the natural world, and and maybe for some people a willful ignorance, almost like a a, a savage animal barbarianism. Uh, things like theology, uh, God, brought salvation, and uh, life was considered God's divine plan. It's all based on the idea of original sin. And, uh, you know, this idea attempts to explain events as part of a, 
of a, of a plan organized and orchestrated by an all-powerful deity or a controlling mind. So when we think about God's plan, I don't think it means predestination. I think God's plan means the unfolding of events. Everything is part of God's plan, regardless of how it happens, regardless if you make decisions, some would argue, under free will or under the control of a higher power, whether that's God or something else lower on the hierarchy of authority. This controlling mind, this powerful deity, it's all part of God's plan, but the plan is just the unfolding of life, the unfolding of events as they are. Original sin and the fall of man took us out of God's good graces, right? So we become imperfect. So when people like technocrats and transhumanists suggest that God is initially considered perfect, but because God created an imperfect world, that makes him imperfect. But then somehow they suggest that because God created an imperfect world, they as imperfect beings can then create a perfect world out of imperfection. If God, who created the universe and created everything, who is, I guess, not perfect, created an imperfect world, what makes these people think they can create a perfect world? I, I, I think that argument is is kind of like a, 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 a circular logic. To me, it doesn't make any sense. Because if the source of all creation is imperfect, then anything in creation that tries to create perfection is going to fail. They're not going to succeed because you are in perfection. To me, this means God still is perfection. You are imperfect. In fact, you are less perfect than some other people that are imperfect because you think you can actually usurp God and God's plan. You think that you can replace this powerful deity and this all-pervasive controlling mind with machines, with material. And I think that a lot of you would agree with me when I say that is just, that's just ludicrous. That's insane. That is the, the absolute antithesis of an all-powerful deity and controlling mind. That is the, the bottom of evolution. That is the bottom of existence. Of course, that idea also professes in regards to transhumanism and technocracy that God can be reached through artificial means and therefore as a result of reaching God through artificial means, we can ascend or transcend our physical bodies into a digital system. Because we're already connected because we're already one, whether you're religious or you believe in the new age, I mean, we're connected. We're one. We're connected to nature. We're connected to each other. We're one. This is what technocrats and transhumanists sell us. They sell us the same idea. Well, we're all connected. We could become more connected with social media, with microchips, with brain implants. And it's better to operate as a hive because a hive mind means we can get more done. There's less suffering. Yes, but then there's also no free will, which I think is kind of the driving force behind atheistic thought patterns. I have absolute free will. I can do whatever I want. There's no consequences to my action because God is dead. There is no God. And those atheists then tell you, you're afraid of there being nothing. You're afraid of doing whatever you want to do with no consequences. When I think the atheists are afraid of there being something powerful and important, that there being something that will hold them responsible 
for their godless, heathenistic actions. In the same way that transhumanists and technocrats suggest that because we're all connected, we're all one, we should connect to this artificial version of that, and we can have everlasting life. Didn't God already promise us that? We're already connected. We're already one, and we can have everlasting life. The materialists tell us that we can only acquire it through them because they're creating a perfect world as imperfect beings in a universe created by an imperfect creator, meaning that nothing in the universe could be perfect, but they say blasphemously they'll create the perfect world. And you don't have to be a Christian to laugh at that concept, to mock that concept, because it is outrageous to the extreme. But do you know what they do? You think about it for a second. What are they asking you to do? They're asking you to plug yourself into that digital realm. You'll be connected. You'll transcend the physical body. And you'll live forever. But we already live forever because we're not our bodies. We're spirit. We're soul. We animate these beings, you know, these physical beings. This is a vessel. So in animating these beings, in animating these physical vessels, we are proof that there is an energetic force beyond the material world that is conscious, that is aware. You find it in animals, you find it in insects, you find it in humans. There is an awareness, there is a God consciousness that animates this world. So if we live forever in a physical world, we have eternal spiritual damnation. So those that are pulling us into this artificial one-size-fits-all We're all one. We're all part of the same system. Let's work together to build utopia because God created an imperfect world. We can create a perfect world. We can create a utopia. We can live forever. That's spiritual damnation indefinitely, eternally. The soul, the spirit will remain trapped. To me, that sounds evil. To me, that sounds like the antithesis of whatever it is you define God as. And the idea of a monotheistic God, for example, was really the result of a unification of various polytheistic pagan principles that spread the divine image across a more, you know, broad range of cultures and societies. So you have a lot of societies, a lot of cultures throughout history that believed, going back even into the, uh, the ancient world, into animism, that all things were animated by a spirit or soul, even, you know, rocks and trees, which is now something technocrats want to do. They want to infuse rocks and trees with nanotechnology, right? But you go back into that world, animism and the various cultures, the various traditions, the various ideas of gods and goddesses, that's all monotheism is. It's a complex polytheism. It's merging all of the gods and goddesses into a singular god to make it easier to, 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 to digest. But that also doesn't mean those other gods and goddesses don't exist in a conceptual sense, because they are expressions of the one source, the one divinity. Polytheism is actually, you know, a form of monotheism, if you look at it the other way. Polytheism is kind of a simplistic monotheism, which monotheism is complex polytheism. Polytheism is actually simple monotheism because it simplifies the concept of singularity into this multiplicity of various gods and goddesses. But when you combine them together, then you get this monotheistic thing that is kind of you know complex because you have to figure out well i guess there are different branches of this one source so we're just going straight to source and that's where we're focusing our attention now i think 
when I read things like we should kill God, and I read this article in the New York Times, this opinion essay piece, and I know it's supposed to be controversial. I know it's supposed to get people to talk about it. That's the whole point of it. But I know when I read something like this, I first notice, well, the author's Jewish, and there seems to be a, a, a common thread in entertainment and media of Jewish people that get to mock Christians and other religions, and that's okay. From Eight Crazy Nights to this article, making fun of Gentiles is perfectly acceptable. From that fat slob Seth Rogen to Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, peeing on Jesus Christ like Larry David did in Curb Your Enthusiasm, or that big fat slob Seth Rogen who uh, commonly mocks Gentiles, it's acceptable to mock the Gentile. It's acceptable to mock the Christian. You just can't mock the Jew. You can't make fun of the Jew. That's considered anti-Semitic. So that's the first thing I noticed when I read this article. The next thing I noticed, because this guy explains that when he was young, there were these aspects of the Passover story he didn't understand. I want to read this to you. He said, two aspects of the Passover story have troubled me since I was first taught them long ago in an Orthodox yeshiva in Monsey, New York. I was eight years old, and as the holiday approached, our rabbi commanded us to open our Chemashim, or Old Testament, to the book of Exodus. To get us in the holiday spirit, he told us gruesome tales of torture and persecution. The Egyptians, he told us, used the corpses of Jewish slaves in their buildings. You mean they used slaves to build their buildings, I asked, and the slaves died from work? No, said the rabbi, they put the Jewish bodies into the walls and used them as bricks. Now, once hard-pressed to find any actual evidence or proof of that, you might find people died and, you know, maybe they were, like in the early 20th century, people used to fall into these big vats of, you know, meat manufacturing places. And then they would be, you know, like even with modern day stuff, rats and feces and stuff gets into your processed meats and foods. Like that happens. But, it, you know, it also was a common practice in the ancient world to, to bury bodies as a sacrifice so that, you know, the wall, so that the building would be protected, so that it would stand. That's a very common practice. It's not like Jewish people were the only people to, 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 to be exposed to that kind of torture and horror. I mean, we think of something like that today. Imagine if we build a building and we, we buried, you know, babies in it. But that, that was done in the ancient world. That was a common practice in some of the ancient world. This is not like some unique thing to Jews, just like a Holocaust is not a unique thing to Jews. Genocide is not a unique thing to Jews. It's not a unique thing to Native Americans. It's not a unique thing to any what we call minority group. White people are the victim of genocide. Black people, Native people, Jewish people, Christian people, you name it, because that seems to be the human condition, that this is as ancient as it is new. This is not This is not new stuff. These are not new ideas. Genocide is not a new thing. Cultural cleansing is not a new thing. So corpses of Jewish slaves in their buildings. Now this is all just building up in the article to say that God is the responsible source, the party that should be blamed for all war and all suffering which is kind of true because God is responsible for all suffering. He created this world so that we could learn, so we could grow, so we could reconnect with source as an experience, as an experiment perhaps. So God is responsible for suffering, but God is also responsible for all the things of the New Testament too. 
God wasn't about law and judgment so much in the New Testament as he was about love and grace. Can we talk about love and grace? Or are we just going to focus on the war and the hatred? Are we going to focus on the violence and the murder? Which is suspicious when people do that. When they only focus on that, and they don't focus on the fact that God seemed to have changed his tune in the New Testament. What about that God? Should we get rid of that God? Because if you get rid of that God, all the good things leave this world. All the good things leave our culture. All the good things leave our society. All the good things leave our minds. No love, no compassion, no empathy, no beauty, nothing. It becomes a stale, black and white blob. And that is what atheists who believe that we die and just become worm food, and that's what technocrats and transhumanists seem to want. They want a bleak, black and white, gray world where there's no happiness, there's no sadness, there's just you as an energy source to run their society, to run their world, to run, in the case of transhumanists and technocrats, their machine-based reality. In this article from the New York Times, he says it's very troubling that the corpses of Jewish slaves were used in buildings and also it's very troubling that we're seeing the slaughter of Jews Jews and other people, not just Jews, but Jews taking place in Ukraine today. And, uh, you know, I did a show on this recently, and it's just like all the genocide, all the war crimes, all the violence, all the crematoriums to burn bodies, all the camps, all the swastikas burn on the bodies, although that's not real. Hardly anything we've seen out of Ukraine is real, from the Snake Island to the ghost of Kiev. All the mass graves, all the brutally body de- bodily decimation, they're saying they're cutting out tongues of Ukrainians and cutting out tongues of Jews. It's just like in the early 20th century. The Germans are making lamps out of human skin. They're making soap out of human fat. And then same thing after World War II. They made skin out of Jewish or lamps out of Jewish skin. They made, you know, they made uh, soap out of Jewish fat. Early 20th century, one of the pieces of propaganda against the Germans was the Germans used to put babies on their bayonets and march into battle. That's not even practical. But now we're being told the same thing about Ukraine. Why? Well, because Zelensky is a proud Jew, according to The Atlantic and other sources, and he wants to make his country like Israel. That's that's a quote. He wants it to be a, quote, big Israel. And you can't question any of this. You can't question the pictures, you can't question the videos, you can't question, well, can we see proof of the genocide being committed? Because asking those questions is a keen to saying, I would like to see proof that 6 million Jews died. That's considered anti-Semitic. You can't ask that question. It infuriates people. Everything about Ukraine, these are the same elements that were, were sold in every Jewish Holocaust museum, every book, every documentary, every movie, every TV show. And again, as Norman Finkelstein wrote in the Holocaust industry, the suffering of Jewish people throughout history is being marketed to shake down decent people. And I submit the same shakedown is being used with all these LGBTQIA individuals as shields to advance political agendas. And when the Democratic Party in particular is obsessed with these things and obsessed with fetishizing Ukraine, and they get half of their their money from about 2% of the American population and that of the Jewish communities... And Jewish communities, according to various sources in Israel, are the biggest supporters of the Democratic Party. They're the biggest supporters of LGBTQIA. They're the biggest supporters of, I mean, Tel Aviv is the LGBTQ capital of the world. 
the biggest supporters of, of depravity and sexual perversity, even more so than atheists, according to the Israel National News, then it's no wonder why the Democratic Party supports these things. It's no wonder why there is an anti-right-wing, an anti-Christian, an anti-Gentile lobby. There's no, there's, there's no wonder about that. There's no wonder that on Easter weekend, the New York Times is calling in an opinion piece, though, calling to end God. The author Shalom Oslander says that God threw Adam out of Eden for eating an apple. Well, that's not a, a literal story. That, that's a metaphor. The apple, the pomegranate, whatever it is, is a forbidden fruit. There's a lesson to be learned there. The fall of man also relates to the seasons. The fall, harvest season, you get all the fruit and all the vegetables, all the grains, all the things that you had grown throughout the year, right? You get the food, and then there's a fall of man into darkness and winter, and you are kicked out of paradise, and you have to suffer through the winter until the spring comes when the sun ra- arrives. So you go from the black horse of fall to the white pale horse of the winter, and then the, uh, the, 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 the white horse, the true white horse, not just the pale horse, the white horse comes in the spring to alleviate the cold and to alleviate the suffering. And that brings you the red horse after that. The white horse, Buddha rode a white horse, Muhammad rode a white horse, Jesus rode a white horse. It's, it's the sun bringing back light and life and warmth to the world. So things begin to grow again. So there's a four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's a seasonal you know, element to the story of the Garden of Eden. It's the fall of man from the grace of God. And in order to understand what it takes, in order to achieve that connection with source, one has to go through the trials of life. That's the point of the mystery schools and the secret societies, living resurrection. But people see this stuff as as being literal. God threw Adam out of the the garden for eating an apple. He says that's heavy-handed. So as a result of that, God does all these horrible things like plagues and floods, fire and fury, young and old, guilty and innocent. We should get rid of God. He said, and we humans made in his image do the same. We fixed wing bombers and cluster bombs with self-propelled mortars and thermobaric rocket launchers. Why did God allow us to do these things? I mean, I, when people ask that question, I just think like, are, are, do you have no capacity to think in complex terms? Do, 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 like, is... Is, is, is war a result of God? Is war because God wants to see chaos and destruction? Maybe in the Old Testament, but that's a metaphor. Because in the New Testament, God was good. God was loving. God was peaceful. God was, 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 was helpful. God was, was merciful. You get the black God, and then you get the white God. And the seal of Solomon and the reflecting pool, God sees himself. There's a reflection Material reality is a reflection of divine spiritual realms. War is not a good thing, but we should be learning from war. Racism is not a good thing. We should be learning from racism, but most of the rest of the world, with the exception of the United States, is still based on apartheid and the separation of people based on skin color and religion. Israel today is an apartheid state founded on terrorism, literally. But we can't seem to get our, to, to get our attention, you know, off of, of how much we, we, we just obsessively, compulsively love Israel. So he goes on to suggest in the article, killing gods is an idea I can get behind. And then he ends it with the word peace. So, you know, classical, kind of an atheistic, perverted Jewish 
psychotic, Antifa, communist, Marxist idea. In order to get peace, we need to kill. War is peace, right? Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Killing God is an idea I can get behind. So I read this article. I know a lot of people read this article. I know it infuriated a lot of people. Get rid of God. That's a horrible thing. Such a horrible thing. Get rid of God. And I'm not a Christian. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. I'm not an atheist. But I, I, I just want to look at these things, you know, and, and have a conversation with. I don't have any of this scripted. Okay. I'm just this all improv tonight. Uh, I just want to have this discussion with you. That's all. And I'm going to get more into it in the second half. We're going to talk more about what God is in an esoteric uh, capacity and show just how ludicrous this idea of getting rid of God is. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Please visit our website. Subscribe to our show. Leave us a review on the uh, podcast or radio player that you're listening to. Check out my books. Check out our affiliate sponsors, www.thesecretteachings.info. And again, if you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. There's more after this. Stay with us. The music, White Bat Audio on YouTube. We'll be right back. Do all the exploring you want. You're not all the drilling of the earth you want. You're not going to find hell. You can take spaceships. Uh, you're not going to find heaven. They're not physical places. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available as TST Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the show name and start listening today for free. And if you want to avoid those annoying ads, visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our ad-free archive with some of our older shows included. You'll get a private RSS feed and access to the montage archive and my digital books. Subscribe today or listen to the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. 
People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. This is David John Oates from reversespeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This transmission is coming to you from the space between heaven and hell. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast Monday through Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. If you're listening on a radio or podcast player, please leave us a review. Yes, I know there are monetized ads. That's how we finance part of this show. So you don't need to leave a review letting us know there's ads in it. I know there's ads in it. If you want to get rid of the ads, though, you can go to our website and uh, subscribe to get access to the ad-free version of the show. You get the Montage Archive, my digital books, and more. www.thesecretteachings.info Easter weekend was, uh, for a lot of people, probably made a little bit um, argumentative by an article that was published by the New York Times called In This Time of War, I Propose We Give Up God suggesting that we should kill God because God is responsible not for bringing families together, not for bringing children into the world, not for art and beautiful things and nature and animals and plants. God is responsible for war. God is violent. God is aggressive. God hates gays, and therefore we should kill God. We should get rid of God. And uh, this came out on Friday, and of course, the whole point of the article is to be divisive. The whole point of the article is to be sensational. The whole point of the article is to get people to argue and discuss this and fight about it. Is basically to create the very atmosphere that the author argues is a result of there being a God. But see, this is an inversion of reality once again. Just like the What's in the Water documentary. It purports to be Christian. It purports to inform people that there's snake venom in the water. Totally ludicrous, totally preposterous. You can listen to our show we did last week on it called Snake Oil or Snake Venom. It's in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. And at the end of it, there's this angle about Christianity and the serpent. And But see, the whole thing is sensational. The whole thing is hyperbole. The whole thing is misleading. The whole thing is out of context. And what does it do? It focuses our attention that has been drawn away from COVID, no matter what you think of it, and it puts it on the serpent. So now we are focused on the serpent, and despite the fact the serpent is a symbol of healing, the modern medical caduceus, the wand of Asclepius, 
This, this wand or this staff of Hermes, it's a symbol of health, a symbol of healing, a symbol of wisdom and a symbol of knowledge, particularly in the East. The serpent can also be seen as evil. So if we're focusing attention on the serpent, saying the serpent is bad, what are we doing? Well, we're focusing our attention on the serpent. You could, you could look at it and say, this is the antithesis of Christian. This is actually downright evil. This is getting people to focus their attention on the serpent and be afraid. God doesn't want you to be afraid. And people say, well, you're supposed to be afraid of God. Fear God. Well, that's not a literal thing. It's a metaphor. So is the serpent in the garden. It's a metaphor. And you can interpret it in any number of ways. I would say the most common interpretation is that fearing God means you respect nature. You respect the natural order of things. You don't chop your genitals off and your breasts off because you decided one day, I'm going to be a girl for a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to regret it later, but you know, it's, it's politically expedient for me to be the opposite sex. It's culturally expedient for me. I'll get social credit for being the opposite sex. That, that's going against the fundamental laws of nature. That's going against God. So, I mean, what is God? I, th- this, is, this is my view. Totally improv tonight. But what is God? To me, God is morality. God is balance. God is respect. God is honor, dignity. And the list can go on and on. But that's, to me, what God is. Historically, esoterically, and in occult philosophy, that's also what God is. God is also you, in the sense that you animate this physical body. You are an extension and an expression of God. With all these extensions of God, it almost sounds like polytheism, which is what monotheism ultimately is, because God has many branches emanating from him, and the purpose of this imperfect life is to become perfect and to reunite with source. This is the esoteric occult philosophy, anyway. So, for those that say we should fear God, I think that's what it means. I think to have God's plan means that life unfolds as it is. You can have free will and still have God's plan. God's plan is life and existence and experience. Pain and suffering, love and pleasure. That's God's plan. And you can experience it by allowing others to control you or you can experience it by your own free will. Unless you suggest that God's plan is to give you the option then God's still in control. Of course, God's still in control. It's the animating force that runs the universe. It's not a physical guy with a scepter. It's a metaphor. It's it's a philosophy. It's a symbol, an archetype for us to understand more complex issues. So to suggest killing God, to suggest getting rid of God, to suggest banning the Bible, all things we heard over Easter weekend... From Mark Dice videos, people on the street saying, yes, I'll ban the Bible if it's offensive to people, to this article written by this Jewish author, Shalom Oslander, at the New York Times, an opinion piece, suggesting we should get rid of God because God does bad things. Well, God also does really good things. 
He does a lot more good things than bad things. And a lot of those bad things aren't bad. A lot of those bad things are lessons. And they're not being committed by God as a person, as a, as a deity. We deify God. God isn't a deity. God isn't a person. God is a concept, an idea. One could argue God is an ideology. Faith in God is faith in yourself, or at least it should be. God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, because you have to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for you. You're born again when you realize these things. You suffer a living resurrection. You are dead and reborn in the physical realm, in physical life. The mystery schools and secret societies, they accomplish this through pageantry and ritual, but this happens to the individual when they start to learn objectively about the nature of reality and about who they are and what they are. Know thyself, right? The old aphorism, know thyself. If you know thyself, you will know God. Taking control and doing things yourself is God helping you because you are God in that aspect. You are God in that respect. You are an extension of God. I mean, these, these are things for philosophers to argue. When biased religious individuals argue them, it becomes biased, hateful, spiteful, and divisive, which is precisely what this article does. It makes people argue and debate. Should we get rid of God? Should we not get That's the whole point of it is to argue those things. Let's not argue those things. Let's ask, what is God? What do you want to get rid of? What is God? Morality. Why would you want to get rid of morality? Morality keeps society bound together. It's cohesiveness. We, 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 we function together as a society without the divisiveness. We do unto others as we have them do unto us. We respect the golden rule, if you will. These are concepts. These are ideas. Ideas that are bulletproof. Ideas that can permeate through any society, any culture, that make the world a safer, happier, better place. If you get rid of those concepts, you get rid of those ideas and you revert back to this atheistic dogma of nothing matters, do whatever you want to do, well, that appeals to the barbarians, that appeals to the, to the, the animalistic nature in people, and that encourages people to do all the terrible things that make society a dangerous, unpleasant place to live. So when you argue that we should get rid of God because God is violent, God is not violent. God is not even peaceful. God is the driving, creative, energetic force behind all things. We interpret it as violent. We interpret it as love. That's a human condition, which proves the point. The whole point is to learn, to grow, and to make this place a better experience. For all people. In this article from the New York Times, I thought this was kind of a, a, a strange argument, considering that the author is Jewish and seems to advocate for an atheistic Jewish superiority uh, that basically eradicates all other religions and Judaism becomes the, the dominant religion. Uh, because as much as this guy hates God, well, he's... He's still Jewish. I mean, the Jews did conspire to kill Jesus, so I, maybe that, that makes sense. But, but it says that, you know, when it comes to the plagues of Egypt, God turned breast milk into blood. 
Every firstborn son in the land of Egypt shall die. It's Exodus 11.5. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne of the firstborn of the servant girl. God committed infanticide. And I find this, I find this argument peculiar. I find it peculiar because since the author is Jewish, and since he seems to be the, you know, like those really annoying Christians who aren't Christians, this is one of those really annoying Jews who isn't really Jewish, who's more like a Frankist or a Sabbatianist who uses the Jewish identity as a shield to advance atheistic, anti-human ideology, who uses the, 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 the Jewish identity to advance, you know, political agendas, I've said this probably a hundred times in the last week, but according to the Israel National News and the Jerusalem Post, 50% of all campaign contributions to the Democratic Party come from Jews. Jewish people are the biggest supporters, even more so than atheists, of homosexuality, LGBTQIA, I've read bestiality, pretty much anything that is perverse, anything that is distorted, anything that is the antithesis of God, anything that is the antithesis of nature and creation and beauty, including communism, including, by the way, National Socialism, because National Socialism, well, that's Nazism, and Israel was founded by actual Nazis. We're not talking about Jewish people. We're talking like Norman Finkelstein said in the Holocaust industry, using Jewish people as a shield to shake down decent people and make them pay for things they didn't do which is exactly what they want us to do with genetic guilt. This is what the communists did in China. You have to pay for your ancestors being nationalists. This is what we're doing with LGBTQIA people. We're doing with so-called slavery. People that were never slaves, had no connection to slavery, have to pay other people who weren't slaves and have no connection to slavery. It's genetic guilt. It's shaking down decent people who don't want to be considered racist, don't want to be considered sexist, don't want to be considered bigots or anti-Semites. It's a scam. It's a scam. We have to admit that it's a scam. It doesn't mean homosexuals aren't people. It doesn't mean Jews aren't people. It doesn't mean Christians aren't people. It means people that are decent are being used to perpetuate a monumental fraud. That's what it means. And it's weird because the people that support the Democratic Party, which is a huge proponent of LGBTQ, a huge proponent of communism and socialism today, and a huge proponent of abortion that's, that's the key point we're getting to. And a huge proponent of abortion are being financed by people who are major supporters of those things in a small, little, isolated community. Jewish people are huge supporters of abortion. The leading cause of death for black folks in the United States is abortion. 14% of the population, 7% of those 14% are black women and a smaller fraction of them are pregnant at any given time. And the abortions that that 7% have constitute 30% of all abortions in this country. So black people are the the victims of Planned Parenthood or the Birth Control Society, which is eugenics, right? And it was operated by supremacists who believe they were more important, they were superior, and they had a right to kill off all of the other inferior races. The races that were not Superior, the races that were not the master race or the chosen people. So when it says in Exodus 11.5, and this author of the New York Times article, Shalom Oslander, says, 
Because every firstborn son in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne of the firstborn of the servant girl, that means that God is evil. God perpetuates death and suffering. It's also funny because not only is that infanticide, but Jewish people tend to be the biggest supporters of abortion today. And the last week, has shown us this this rabid pro-abortion sentiment because some states are trying to ban abortion up to 15 weeks. And the anti-abortion groups, which absolutely do go too far, I think, are pitted against the pro-abortion groups that are saying that a 15-week abortion ban means that nobody who is raped or is the victim of incest can have an abortion, but that's not true. You can. You have three and a half months to get an abortion after you were raped. That's plenty of t- way more than plenty of time. Most people just take Plan B pills. If they end up pregnant, you can go get an abortion legally in Florida, in Texas, in any other state. They're misrepresenting the facts. Why? Because it's not really about abortion, pro or anti. It's about how much a baby can grow before they can rip it out and profit from it. That's why Planned Parenthood is upset. It's about human sacrifice. You know, like when babies used to be buried in the walls of buildings to bring luck and to bring protection. So I just find it strange that this author of this New York Times article about killing God is suggesting that because God said, let's kill babies, the firstborn during the plagues of Egypt, and because Jewish corpses were supposedly buried in buildings, that means we should kill God. Because this is not an exclusive thing to Jewish people. This is not an exclusive thing to Egypt. And God is metaphoric. These are not literal things. These are metaphors. These are symbols. These are archetypes to help us understand more complex issues. And the author of this article is of an extremist sect of Judaism that is a supporter of abortion, that is a supporter of infanticide. So it doesn't make any sense. Wanting to get rid of God. And this the thing is like, people say, well, there's a war on Christianity. There's a war on Christmas. There is. I just don't think it's the war that you think. I don't think it's the theater that you think. I think it's much simpler. God is morality. God is virtue. God is ethics. God is balance. If you want to get rid of God from schools, if you want to get rid of God from religion, if you want to get rid of God from human civilization, you are getting rid of the fundamental cornerstones that provide a foundation for a society that will be kind and just and truly equal. So the only person that could suggest, the only attitude or ideology or mindset that could suggest getting rid of morality and ethics and virtue and hard work and responsibility are people who want to control your mind and body. People that want to brainwash children and raise them, indoctrinate them, and manipulate them into a slave-like mentality. So that child never thinks for themselves. That child never learns how to develop an ability to critically think. They simply become drones and slaves of the state or of the controlling ideology, whatever the controlling hive is. That's what I really think. 
If you argue to get rid of God, you are arguing to get rid of morality. You are arguing to get rid of ethics. You are arguing to get rid of virtue. You are arguing to get rid of hard work, responsibility, and so on and so forth. Maybe that's why the school system is the way it is, because we removed God from the school system for all intents and purposes. Maybe that's the reason society is the way that it is, because we're moving toward an atheistic point of existence. One in which you can do whatever you want with no consequences becomes the rule. And when that happens, you have increasing crime. Rape, torture, murder, theft, all the horrible things that make society a bad place. Encouraging that is not atheistic. Encouraging that is, for for all intents and purposes, satanic. It is evil. That's what it is. That's what I think it is. Because I don't think God is what we think God is. And, And if you get rid of God, if you divert man from the substance and the essence of God, you are robbing man of his ability to access his own divine attributes. That's all that it is. We are robbing man of his ability to access his own divine attributes. So what do they do? They cut you off from source. Transhumanists and technocrats say, we're going to be connected. We're going to be one with all. We're going to be part of a hive. It's going to be a utopia. You can live forever. All things that God promises. He's made you in his image. You are all connected. You are all one. You're all part of a hive, but experiencing life in an individual way to learn and to grow to reconnect with source, and you have everlasting eternal life because you are spirit, you are soul animating only a physical vessel. Because at the end of the conversation, at the end of the day, at the end of life, what happens? You reconnect with source. Hopefully you learn something. Now, even if that's not literal, what's the opposite of that? Plugging yourself into a machine, creating eternal physical existence, which is eternal spiritual damnation. It's a collection of souls. It's a collection of spirits. It is, by definition, satanic and evil. It is opposition to creation. It is opposition to life, to live. And to oppose to live is to encourage The opposite, L-I-V-E-E-V-I-L, evil. It is by definition evil. It is by definition satanic. But see, we hear those words and and we just like, it's like, it's like the snake venom. I mean, I can't tell you how many people on social media, I mean, I saw one person promoting, I mean, I have an affiliate with Pro One Water Filters, right? Because I want to drink more purified water. It might not be perfect, but it's better than drinking the water that's that, that's that's uh, you know cleaned by the city here in Tucson. But I've seen people on on Facebook posting things about Pro One and other types of water filters, saying, "Look, you should buy one of these. It takes out snake venom." I've read through the the lab reports. It does not say it takes out snake venom. What are you talking about? People just buy it. They agree with it. Go to the store. 
natural, organic, healthy products that are processed. You read them, it's natural. Read the ingredients, hardly anything in it is actually natural. It's a misnomer. It's misdirection. It's misrepresentation. It's a fraud. Whether it's organic, whether it's healthy, whether it's snake venom in the alternative media, it's all a big fraud unless you think for yourself and ask questions. Abortion's the same way. Oh, they're banning abortion up to 15 weeks. I can't have an abortion after 15 weeks. Uh, I can't have an abortion if I've been raped. No, you can just before 15 weeks because they're trying to prevent women who have, you know, a more developed fetus, a more developed baby from having it ripped out and sold by the birth control society. It's eugenics. That's what it is. It's eugenics. People that are promoting infanticide are also telling us we should get rid of God because God committed infanticide. I mean, just the, the, the idea of God is objectivity and balance. God embodies virtue, respect, honor, dignity, and all these other things. He is a concept, an idea. His plan is the unfolding of life with free will within the organized universe. And to suggest removing God is to argue against the very cornerstones of a just and civil society. People aren't going crazy because there's snake venom in the water. People are going crazy because we're removing God in the aspect of balance and objectivity and critical thinking from everything that we interact with. And this article written by a Jewish author over Easter weekend or published before Easter weekend proposed that we do just that. We get rid of God. We kill not only the Christian, but the Judeo-Christian God. In the name of making the world a better place. I mean, the Jews did conspire to kill Christ, so maybe that's this is round two. Jewish authors saying we should kill God. But Christians were also upset because... Last week, some people signed petitions in California to ban the Bible for hate speech. And Christians were doubly upset when they learned that Muslims were rioting in Sweden. But why were people rioting in Sweden? Why were the Muslims rioting? Well, because right-wing Christian extremist groups were burning Korans. So maybe they have a reason to riot. I'm not saying the riot is right, but... You can understand, maybe. And of course, Representative Ilan Omar, you might have seen this, received backlash for posting a video of Christians singing on a plane, asking if it would be okay if Muslims were to spontaneously begin praying. And uh, people have an issue with her saying that, what do you, you hate Christians? And it's like, like her or not, she has a point in asking the question. I mean, maybe people would be okay with silent prayer as opposed to guitars and chanting, Jesus is my savior. I mean, if the, the thing is, if it's okay to burn a Quran, which it isn't, it should be okay to ban the Bible, which it isn't. And if it is okay for Christians to sing on a plane, then it should be okay for Muslims to pray. And if a crypto Jew from the New York Times can say we should kill God, then one really has to ask if the three major world religions are not being pitted against each other to bring about their demise and doing it ritualistically, ceremonially, during Ramadan Passover, Pesach, and Easter. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. We're going to break these stories down in more detail in the final segment. Please send us an email. Let us know what you think of the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Subscribe to our archive. Grab a copy of one of my books. And we'll talk to you in just a few minutes after break. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us right here on The Secret Teachings. The music, White Bat Audio on YouTube. Go check them out. We'll be right back. 
Broadcasting from the edge of thought and consciousness, it's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is TST Weekends. Search the show name and start listening today for free. If you want to avoid those annoying ads, subscribe to our ad-free archive with our oldest shows, a private RSS feed, our montage archive, and Ryan's digital books. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of The Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after lighting the void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is the Secret Teachings Radio. What is God? I think God is invariably considered the architect and the creator. And this is the archetype used in occult sciences to depict God. Famous depictions of God by artists like William Blake show the creator as measuring with a compass the borders of his creation, setting forth the fundamental mathematical laws of the world. He has a long white beard, just like the architect in the Matrix movie. And he is related directly to Father Time, the Grim Reaper, God of Agriculture, Goddess of Agriculture Demeter, the Grim Reaper Saturn. He also shares attributes with Odin, 
who lives in the north, and of course the multi-named Santa Claus or Father Christmas. In Mesopotamia, the creator was known as the Great Misfortune. God is good. God is also the antithesis of good, to test, to encourage us to do better. God is perfection. And when people say God creates an imperfect world because they're suffering, and we don't have divine will because God has a plan, I think they misunderstand what these metaphors intend to impart. The plan is the unfolding of life. Being born again is when you recognize concepts like this. When God encourages you to do what is right, it is your subconscious, it is your higher self, that little voice that encourages you to do the right thing, to do the moral thing, to do the just thing, to do the right thing, whether nobody is paying attention or not. That's the little voice. That's God, the angel and the demon on the shoulder. That's you. That's internally you. You are an extension of God. You animate this physical realm as spirit, as soul, and then reconnect with source once the vessel becomes non-functioning. To recognize these things is to not only become born again, but to become aware and to become conscious, to be reconnected with source, and to begin to climb the ladder, the tree of life, the tree, the tower, to connect with divinity. So God is the architect, God is morality, God is divinity, God is all these things. And so when we talk about removing God from school, removing God from everything, we are talking about an atheistic, and I would say even worse than an atheistic, an atheistic, godless, heartless, anti-human existence. This is why the Communist Party in Soviet Russia said that religion had to be eradicated because there can be no higher power than the state. Philosopher Alan Watts explains the consumption of the fruit of desire in the Garden of Eden as such. He says those who ate the fruit would become as gods, for they would know how to control events and how to make things happen. This is why Adam's fall and expulsion from the Garden involves the curse of work. Of Once you start controlling things according to your deliberations, you can no longer rely upon impulse. You must stop playing and be serious. You think of the future and plan for it and thus become aware of death in an altogether new way. We began to play God, that is to control our lives instead of letting them happen. That's the divine plan, by the way, letting them happen. Free will exists within the divine plan. Alan Watts goes on to say, but we were like the sorcerer's apprentice and didn't really know what to do. Thereupon pain ceased to be ecstasy and became punishment. At the same time, we began to feel responsible for dying. Death was no longer the transformation and renewal of life, the shuffling of the pack for a new deal. Death became the mark of failure, the wages of sin, and the result of our incompetence in playing God. Yes, we do not know how to be God. If God is perfect, life makes sense. If God is imperfect, as the transhumanists and the technocrats and the heathens and all of the other atheists suggest, that means that God created an imperfect being who can certainly, as a creation of an imperfect creator, can certainly not create a more perfect world, can only create a more perverse, distorted, dying, decaying, painful, submissive existence. Telling us we can have everlasting life, be connected eternally, and have all this information, we already have that. It's called existence. It's called God's plan. It's called divinity. It's called life. 
to all the technocrats and transhumanists. You'll live forever. No, you won't. You'll extend your spiritual death indefinitely by extending the suffering of physical life indefinitely and using that life to do nothing but plug yourself into a machine. And I mean that literally and also metaphorically. In the Garden of Eden, Adam eats the apple after Eve. And this is one of the main talking points in this Dump Day article from Friday before Easter, the start of Passover, that was published as an essay opinion piece by Shalom Oslander in the New York Times that everybody's talking about. It's meant to be divisive. It's meant to make you ask these questions. That's the whole point of it. And it brings up the Garden of Eden and says, God threw Adam out of the garden for eating an apple. I mean, this is very strong-handed. This shows that, you know, God makes poor decisions. God curses women for eternity because Eve chose to eat the, uh, eat the apple. This is misrepresenting the metaphor. This is, this is a misunderstanding. It's, it, if you're going to throw the Bible and God out, you have to throw out every major religion. Or is that the point? Because if you throw out all major religions, what goes with major religions? Balance, objectivity, morality, critical thinking, ethics, virtue, hard work, thinking for yourself, responsibility, organization. You get a chaotic, decaying, depraved world. You get the world of Sabbatian Frankists. You get perversity in all things that are divine and holy. You get pedophilia. You get the sexual perversion of children and young adults. You get the disconnection from source. You get all the horrible things that make the world just terrible to live in. Things that no reasonable person in their right mind would want. You get more war. You get more destruction. You get more chaos. You get more lies and deceit. So the idea of killing God means we kill all the good things in the world. Because God's imperfect. God teaches lessons. God's kind of a prick in the Old Testament anyway, not in the New Testament, and not the, the, the conceptual God by any means. Conceptual God is balance. So there has to be black and white. There has to be pain and suffering. And it leaves us with a chaotic world in which we try to create the artificial version of of perfection, which means we will immediately and automatically fail because we're trying to build the Tower of Babel. I mean, why is it, if you don't believe in God, if you don't like God, if God is all these horrible things, why would you want to build a system where you become God? Because God is control and God is power, and psychopaths want control and power, and they will use Christians, they will use Jews, they will use Muslims, they will use gay people, they will use straight people, they will use trans people, they will use children and infants to advance their corrupted, chaotic ideology of the whispering serpent, telling you it's all okay if we do this, things will be better. I mean, th- think about this. There was a, there was a big uh, argument in the media because uh, Representative Elon Omar, I guess she was on a plane, and some people started uh, singing and uh, dancing on the plane playing guitar and singing about Jesus. I'll play that for you. Jesus, 
right, so the, these people just start spontaneously singing about God on a plane. And uh, from what I read, Elon Omar is on the plane. And I have a lot of questions. I'm thinking, is this a Christian flight? And uh, she was placed on it? Or is this like a Christian youth group that's traveling together? And uh, she just happened to be on the plane? But either way, she asked the question on Twitter. She said, I think my family and I should pray have a prayer session next time I'm on a plane. How do you think it will end? And you know what? I don't like Ilhan Omar. I think she's a she's a you know just a disgusting human being. She hates America. She hates freedom of thought and choice. But she has a point. If there was a group of like the Muslim equivalent of a Christian youth group on a plane and they started praying and singing praises to Allah that a bunch of ignorant people on the plane would probably think they're terrorists and they would freak out. So in response to this, a bunch of right-wing Christians start asking on Twitter in response, why do you hate Christians? Why do you hate Christians? Well, I mean, I can tell you this. I don't know the context of the plane. You know, I don't know how many people on this plane were actually, you know, maybe mostly could have been a youth group. I mean, I'd be upset if I was on a plane and, uh, I mean, I've, here's the thing. I've seen a Muslim prayer, okay? They, they, they bow down to the east. I don't know how you determine that on a plane or how you'd have room to you know, kneel down and bow down on a plane. But, uh, I mean, they, they bow, it's usually quiet is my point. Christians are just like, sing his praise. And you're, I mean, people are uncomfortable at 30,000 feet, all right? Every bump, every time the, the plane jolts a little bit, everybody's thinking that the doors are going to get ripped off, the wings are going to fall off, the engine's going to fall off. You know, everybody's, I'm scared when I fly. I haven't flown in years, but I don't like flying. Maybe for some people, the Christian singing helps. But my point is, if I were on a plane, I don't think I'd want a group of people singing loudly on a plane playing a guitar. I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to read a book. That's just my personal opinion. But the point is, Elon Omar has a, has a point. If she were to start praying as a Muslim on a plane and it was clear that she was praying to Allah, Oh, my God, that would be completely and absolutely unacceptable to most Christians. And that brings me to the second problem. You have a bunch of websites that are right wing or a bunch of websites that are independent, a bunch of alternative media talking about the riots in Sweden. You know about these riots in Sweden? There's a bunch of riots in Sweden. And the alternative media, just like with the snake venom, is giving you one side of the story and not the other side of the story. They're telling you that a bunch of Muslims are rioting and burning things and breaking things because, well, they're, they're, they're Muslim. And because since, you know, this, this has to have something to do with, with Ramadan, which started at the beginning of the month, and, uh, you know, they're Muslims, they're practicing Ramadan, and they're rioting. But that's not why most of them are rioting. And I'm not saying rioting is a good thing. I don't think people should be rioting. They're probably ignorant Muslims who are just emotionally reacting hysterically to something that, you know, I can understand why they'd react to it this way. Here's what happened. Riots have broken out in several Swedish cities because there are people that are in groups that were planning to burn the Quran during Ramadan over the Easter weekend. So yeah, I get it. If Christian, conservative, or any other group 
says, we don't like Muslims. We're going to burn the Muslim holy book, which I think, and I'm not a Muslim, is blasphemous. I don't care what the book is. I don't care if it's the Bhagavad Gita. I don't care if it's the Quran. I don't care what it is. That's blasphemous. And you're going to plan to burn that book during their holy month of Ramadan and not expect there to be a backlash? Remember that old thing we used to hear about called blowback? You don't think there's going to be blowback from that? And then the Muslims start writing and, oh, the Muslims, the Muslim. It's not the Muslims. You were going to burn their holy book. I'm pretty sure the Christians would riot too if you went in the streets during Christmas or Easter and you said, I'm going to burn the Bible. Christians get pissed about that. Muslims have a right to be pissed if you're burning the Quran. They don't have a right to burn buildings or loot and riot. The media has hardly talked about this at all because they want the Muslims who are migrants to be looked at as not part of the problem. They're the solution to the problem. Closed off societies like Sweden, they need to bring in more more immigrants. And let's be honest, a lot of those people are freaking barbarians with no education that don't care about anything except who they can rape and who who they can steal from. But that's not because they're Muslim. That's because they're uneducated. That's because they're the victims of, of crime. And that's because they're the victims of using third world people to dismantle the first world. But when Christians act that way, when right wing people act that way, it's no wonder people are going to have an issue with it. If I go burn a Quran, I would expect people, rightfully so, to come over and have an issue with it. If I go burn a Bible, I would expect the same. I would never do either because whether it's the Bible or the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita or, hell, the Aquarian Gospel, whatever it is, those are sacred texts. You don't ban them and burn them because you don't like them. And that's the thing. It's like people are upset because you know Mark Dice goes out on the street and he's asking people, will you sign this petition to ban the Bible? And they get really upset. How dare you? How dare these people want to ban the Bible? And personally, I think it's ridiculous. These people are morons. But no, it's okay if you go burn the Quran during Ramadan and you don't think anything's going to happen. Ban the Bible? We're just trying to stop the hate speech. And, so what? Uh, well, Amazon's still selling the Bible. They stopped selling a lot of racist and anti-Semitic books in the last few years, but... They're still selling the Bible, so boy, a lot of stuff in there that it hurts a lot of people's feelings. One guy didn't sign it. We're just pranking you, by the way. The Bible is the most sold book. Hear this woman signing it. Purple, blue, pink hair. Of course, she's going to sign it. Up there, though, we don't want to be Islamophobic, though. Help us to ban the Bible. We're trying to stop hate speech. I think this guy doesn't sign it either. You don't have to. Does he? This is just a. Oh, no, he this signs is just it. just to send a Jeff Bezos to Amazon to get him to stop selling the Bible. There's a lot of... Lot of oh, he yeah. signs it. Yeah, he signs it. Sure. Just print birthday and a signature. As you probably know, a lot, of, a lot of hate speech, a lot of homophobia in the Bible. Oh, there's a lot of twisted things. Yeah, and, and it's time we finally get rid of it once and for all. Thank you. We're going to get Amazon to stop selling it. We're gonna, she's going to sign it. Ban it once and so a bunch of people, they sign it. There's like two people that don't. But people sign it. He's got pages and pages and pages of signature. People just going out, sign it. Sure, ban the Bible, ban the Bible, ban the Bible. But then in Sweden, the Christians are upset because the Muslims rioted, and we don't know the extent of that. 
They rioted, but they don't tell us the other side of the story. And the media won't show us even the riots because they're like, no, Muslims are good. Immigrants are good. They're focused on the immigration. They're focused on dismantling Swedish society and integrating foreign groups and cultures into theirs to create a culture war and to dismantle the society, to rip it apart at the seams. So the media won't show you that because of that. And the Christians won't tell you if they even know that the Muslims rioted because the Christians were burning the damn Quran. Of course they're going to riot. How is that any different than being upset because people want to ban the Bible? But it's okay if people want to burn the Quran. This is what creates the divisiveness. This is what creates the hatred. This is what creates all the horrible things in the world. And you get this because people see God as their own personal Jesus. That's what it is. Their own personal Jesus, their own personal Muhammad, giving them justice to say and do whatever they want to do. I can do this because I'm a Christian. I can do this because I'm a Muslim. A couple of years ago, I celebrated Ramadan. When I lived in Boise, Idaho, a friend of mine, she was from Saudi Arabia, and she was Muslim, and I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll fast with you for a few days, and they fast you know, from, from morning to night when the sun goes down, and then we had dinner a couple nights. Not, not a romantic thing, just, you know, I just was like, yeah, sure. I'll she had friends come over from, like, she had a friend from Iraq and a friend from Kuwait, and we just talked about culture and tradition and religion, and I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not Muslim, but I'm not Christian. I just, I'm interested in learning about all of this. That's what we need, people that are interested in learning. Well, what's in the Quran? What do the Muslims say? Because the Christians tell you the Muslims just, it's genital mutilation, and the women are inferior. But, you know, the Christian Bible tells you the same thing. The Judeo-Christian Bible tells you that men are superior to women. Did you read that in Corinthians? That women are inferior to men? Open the Bible up and read it. That men get to speak after God, and then women get to speak after men. But no, I'm not allowed to say that because that's blasphemous too, to suggest that the Bible suggests the same thing that the Quran suggests. But can you, can you find that in the Quran? Can you find that in, in, in Muslim texts? No, people don't even know where they're getting these ideas from. They're created by pastors and rabbis and, 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 and all these other different religious leaders. That's where we get our ideas from, political, religious angles. We get them from religious leaders. We get interpretations from human beings, not from the text itself. Well, it was written by human beings, sure. But the point is, it's not literal. It's meant to be a metaphor. It's meant to explain things in a way that transcend time. It, that's why it's a sacred text. We shouldn't ban the Bible, we shouldn't ban the Quran, and we certainly shouldn't kill God, as the Jewish author of this essay in the New York Times suggests. And of course, just like the burning of the Quran, don't you think that a Jew on the New York Times payroll, I'd assume, saying we should kill God, don't you think that's similar to Right-wing groups in Sweden burning the Quran during Ramadan? A Jewish person at the New York Times saying we should kill God on Easter weekend. Don't you think that'll piss the Christians off? Don't you think burning the Quran during Ramadan will piss the Muslims off? That's the whole point. The morons that burn the Quran and this Jewish guy, Shalom Oslander at the New York Times, saying we should kill God on Easter weekend, it's meant to rile up the Christians. What they're doing in Sweden is meant to rile up the Muslims. Otherwise, decent Christians don't act like that. 
Just the far-right extremist hacks act like that. The far-right Christian nutjobs act like that. Just like the far-whatever-direction-they're-in Muslim extremists or the Jewish extremists that operate the terrorist apartheid state of Israel. No, we shouldn't get rid of God. God is morality. God is ethics. God is virtue. God is hard work. God is respect. God is responsibility. God is chivalry. God is masculine and feminine. God is balance. God is judgment for the wrong deeds that you perform. God's plan is that you live. Resurrecting during life, realizing that and being reborn again, is part of the way that you begin your ascension and transcendence into the divine realm. And the idea that we should kill God means that we get rid of all of those things. The fractal patterns in nature, all the beauty around us, get rid of God because if we get rid of God, all the bad stuff goes away. All the bad stuff, no, what we do when we get rid of God is we encourage, we invoke the bad stuff. We invoke the chaos. We invoke the evil. That's why they want to get rid of God. Because God isn't the Old Testament or the New Testament. God is a concept. God is an idea. God transcends Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. God is a concept. God is a belief system in yourself. Do things And God will support you. God encourages you to do things because when you do them, well, you know, God God, God will help you out. That's why you have to do things for yourself and then God will support you because you are in essence God. You are in essence an extension of source. Killing God means we kill all that is good in the world and that leaves us with evil. That leaves us with darkness. And they just want to plant the question, Plant the idea. Is God alive or is God dead? I find it repulsive that people want to ban the Bible. I also find it repulsive that people burn the Quran on Ramadan and not think Muslims are going to get upset. And then furthermore, the mainstream media doesn't report it because they have their immigrant agenda. And the alternative media doesn't report that because they have their right-wing Christian agenda. And then you can't ask why is a Jewish person who's closer to a Sabbatian Frankist than a Jew bad-mouthing Judaism during Passover and Christianity during Easter saying we should kill God? It's pretty simple. These aren't good people. And they want to tell you that all the chaos and destruction in the world is because of God, when in fact, it's because we don't have God. As an idea, as a concept. Because they're saying, like Ozzy Osbourne said, we'll keep the wine, we don't need bread. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast, airing five nights a week on The Fringe FM, broadcasting on terrestrial stations in Pahrump, Nevada. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on a radio or podcast player, please leave us a review. Check out our website, subscribe to the show archive. You get access to download the shows. You get access to the show when it's pre-recorded, before it airs. You get access to the montage archive, the digital books. You can also buy my books separately at thesecretteachings.info. 
Check out Pro One Water Filters, our affiliate sponsor, and Patreon for behind-the-scenes content. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Is God morality, ethics, virtue, hard work, responsibility? Or is God that thing that leads us to war and to, to destruction? What happens if we get rid of God? Does that make the world a better place? Is it right for Christians to be upset that people want to ban the Bible, but then not be upset, you know, not understand that Muslims are going to riot when you burn the Quran? And when Jews suggest on Easter weekend that we kill God, I mean, Jews did conspire to kill Jesus, so I guess that's in line with their historical ideology. This is just insane. God is balanced. God makes the world a better place. And if we don't have God, we have chaos and destruction and psychopaths that control our minds and bodies. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. www.thesecretteachings.info. rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay with us. On The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, there's a lot more coming up this week. You don't want to go anywhere. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. I fade from the light. I fade from the